to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. Yoshi slides it in, and the Predators win it overtime. This is the Preds official podcast with Brooks Bratton on Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. It's the Predators official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game, episode 157 of the program. So glad you've joined us once more. Our second episode of 2022, and the gang is all here. Brooks Bratton of NashvillePredators.com, Kara Hammer of the Predators broadcast team, and producer Max, who, can we still even call him producer Max? After this week, I think producer Max slash Pete Weber stand-in extraordinaire Max Hers, who has now called two NHL games. One win, one loss, so he's 500. That's not too bad. If he was a coach, he'd be doing pretty good. And uh, we will uh, first off say our congrats, our well done, our shoulder taps, our stick taps for Max, who stepped in as Pete Weber was in COVID protocol, called the game on Tuesday, a 5-4 win in overtime against Colorado, and then Thursday, of course, the loss to Buffalo. But uh, Kara Hammer, in just, I guess this was to be expected too, in talent fashion, he made us wait 20 minutes to start recording today. Fashionably late, as, as talent sometimes can be, but it's all right. He he deserves it. We'll let him go. It's gone to his head. Just kidding. <laughs> I, th- I thought Max did such a great job. I was like following along on Twitter and so many people were positive and like, what an exciting first game to get to call. Like you're, he got called up to the big leagues and he crushed it. I didn't see one person say, screw you, Max, which for Twitter is pretty impressive. There's usually one person, no matter how good you are, there's one person who's just there to rain on your parade, but no umbrella was needed. Max persevered with Hal Gill and uh, did a great couple of calls on the Predators radio network. And as we said, a win and a loss, not too shabby. The Predators win streak, unfortunately, comes to an end. But some lessons to be learned, so we'll touch on it all. Again, their five-game win streak comes to a halt Thursday night, but still plenty of points on the board as of late. Those lessons learned, we'll mention those in just a bit. UC Soros named an NHL All-Star, and Roman Yossi might be. We'll discuss that later on in the show. Plus, an interview with the NHL Chief Content Officer, Steve Mayer, who was in town this week at Nissan Stadium. We're less than seven weeks away, I guess just six weeks away now, as this episode will come out from the Predators and Nissan Stadium hosting the Stadium Series game on February 26th. So that's very exciting. Really cool interview with Steve Mayer coming up on what the preparations are like, what we can expect, and you'll want to stay tuned for that. Also some great Twitter questions to get to. Uh, But Kara, before we get to Tuesday, or excuse me, before we get to Thursday, let's go back to Tuesday, which by the way, the Predators, they went perfect on that road trip. Remember we talked about last week, Vegas, L.A., Arizona. They finished things off against the Coyotes. That was win number four in a row. And win number five in a row, I would argue, Kara, was this perhaps one of the most entertaining Tuesday games in January in franchise history? It doesn't often feel like a playoff atmosphere on a Tuesday night in January, but it did on this occasion. It was so exciting. I feel like it had all the playoff vibes. I know some of my you know friends were at home watching and they were texting during the game like, we're missing out. Like this, what an exciting game is happening right now. And, you know, you look back, 
when the Preds had played Colorado on December 16th, it was a depleted roster. You know, they came in, Darcy Kemper was out, Kale McCarr was out of that game. So you were kind of wondering, well, the Preds won that night, but you were wondering how well they would play against like a fully stacked Colorado team. Cause we've seen how good the avalanche have been, mm-hmm. but then on Tuesday night, I mean, I felt like that was one of the best performances the Nashville Predators have played all season. Well, and how, you mentioned Colorado too. Colorado was on the second half of a back-to-back. They got in. They had to have gotten in at at least like four in the morning, maybe three at the earliest. They got in really late to Nashville after playing in Denver on uh, Monday night. They got in, played on Tuesday night. And it still went to overtime, right? Like Colorado, I was still really impressed with Colorado too. We saw an unreal goal from Kale McCarr in the third period to tie things up again. They kept coming back. But that was the thing about the Preds in that instance. No matter what Colorado did, and the Avalanche didn't have a lead at all, they kept pushing, they kept tying, but the Preds were like, all right, that's fine. We'll just yeah. take the lead again. And and that, I mean, how many times do we hear guys call it not only pregame Colton Sissons used it, the buzz phrase of the day, but then post game, I think everybody called it a measuring stick game against Colorado because you want to. I mean, that's to start the year they were Stanley Cup favorite. I think they still are, and those are the teams that you want to measure yourself against. And again, as you mentioned, the first meeting in Colorado after Thanksgiving, Preds. It wasn't a great game. It was the second half of a back to back for Nashville the day after Thanksgiving. I think it was a six two Colorado win. And then Kara, as you said, that second meeting in Nashville, depleted rosters. The Preds do get the win in that one, but not really a, a full complement on either side of what you would want to see against those two teams. That this was more of a just just the ability to, to compare the two and see how do you stack up. Of course, the Preds were missing Philip Forsberg. Colorado was missing Gabriel Landeskog. Still a couple of big pieces. Uh, but that was that was a good one, and the Preds weren't perfect, but as you said, still one of the one of the better efforts, and it was just impressive all around. You get a couple from Matt Duchesne, a couple from Luke Cunning, and uh, they the Preds were pretty happy with that one. Well, I think the most dangerous thing too was the Avalanche are so good; their mo is finding ways to come back in games. You know, mm-hmm. the night before they were down three goals, they came back and won in the third period, and then you kind of saw it in in the game on Tuesday night. The Preds have a two goal lead after the first period. Colorado just kept finding a way to come back, and you realize this is what they're so good at. But I love the Predators' perseverance to keep their fight in the game. I know overtime, maybe a little bit of controversy with that you know, too many men on the ice in overtime, but I felt like the Preds persevered. Matt Duchesne's power play goal. It was, it was so exciting. I love the excitement. I love the playoff vibe. You you wish that they could have carried it over into Thursday night, but, you know, talking with Matias Ekholm after the, the game last night, he said, you know, it's just one of those nights mm-hmm. and it's going to happen. And, it, and then we're going to move on and we just have to be better. Exactly. We'll get to that in just a second. First, Max, can we hear your overtime call? Would you like to play that for us, please? Two minutes of four on three with Abe Cubell serving the second too many men penalty against the Avs in the last five minutes of play. It's 4-4 here in overtime. Johansson loses the draw as Comfer goes forward with it, working three on four. Into the O-zone, JT Comfer has Taves with him, shoots it, blocker saves Saros. Settled nicely to the right corner, to his right, and the Preds have it back. Four on three power play. 15 seconds gone off it. Roman Yossi enters the zone to the right side, Ryan Johansson. 
Four on three for the Preds. Johansson to Yossi. To the left side, Mikhail Granlin. Johansson's in front. One-timer by Yossi. Rebound scores! Preds win! Matt Duchesne with the game-winning goal! As we were saying offline, I always fear... Like, all you have to do is go back to the Predators' first ever game in franchise history. They didn't score. I always fear in a game like that, for someone like yourself who's making their debut, or just a situation at home, or a new team, or a new arena, you want to get at least one goal. So good on you for getting five of them, and an overtime winner nonetheless. What a call from Max, and again, what a win for the Nashville Predators. So that was their fifth in a row, and that got them to 50 points, the first team in the Western Conference to get to 50 points, which, and and there have been so many pieces that have come out over the last few days just saying, wow, like, where did this come from? Nobody expected it. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that anybody even inside that room expected them to be where they, I mean, David Poyle was calling this a competitive transition, not a, we're going to be atop the Western Conference in January. And yet here we are. I have to go back to Max's call because I'm still smiling about it. Like it just <laughs> make, makes me so happy, but I don't I, Max, can you talk on the podcast? Cause I'm curious, like of, of all the goals that you got to call the other night, what was the best one? Was it that, was it the overtime goal for Matt to Shane or was it the very first goal of the game? I felt pretty good about all of them, Kara, to be honest with you, but <laughs> the overtime goal just carried so much weight. I felt like it took me, in real time, 15 seconds to figure out that it was 100% Matt Duchesne who scored it. As you guys heard it, in reality, it was like one and a half seconds. So that just shows you the speed at which my brain was moving at the moment. But I'm so happy with how it came out. It was uh, obviously my first time calling a major pro game in any sport. And I just tried to take inventory of who was on the ice as much as I could. I tried to keep it simple. Who has the puck? Where's the puck? hockey radio, and I think I did those things well, and Hal, as we know, is as good as it gets and had my back 10 times over. Well, kudos to you, Max, because this has just kind of been, you know, our motto all season, next man up, right? Mm-hmm. All season, we've seen people move into different roles, and Max came in and crushed it, and we, we've seen guys coming in and out of the lineup all season for the Predators, and like you just said, Brooks, this is where we are, and it's only January. Oh, I loved his first answer to you. He was like, well, yeah, Kerry, I basically crushed it on every goal. So <laughs> I almost made him, I almost made him spit out He's his coffee just now. <laughs> no, he killed it. So Max, we're really happy for you. And, Thank you guys. Uh, Thank you. Of course. It's good to hear your voice on the pod too. Um, all right. Now, no more. <laughs> You're done. No, no. Um, no. So it, again, a, a great win for the Predators over the Avalanche and unfortunately a bit of a letdown against Buffalo. And, and this, as you said, Kara, Matias Ekholm, you're going to have these games, right? 82 games. They're not all going to be perfect. And I was pleasantly surprised again at the number of comments on social media, at least that I saw, I try not to delve too much into them, but there were a number of people who also seemed to realize, all right, like you're going to have one of these from time to time. And that was something that Roman Yossi said post-game, John Hines said post-game. By the way, it was a 4-1 loss to Buffalo. Matt Duchesne scored a power play goal again. So Nashville's last three goals have all come from Matt Duchesne, all on the power play. So still a bright spot, and there are plenty of bright spots still. Uh, but again, you're not going to win all 82, and they've learned some lessons. John Hines says Buffalo was the better team, and we learned something about our team. When you go through 82 games, he said, you are presented different challenges. We came off an emotional win versus Colorado. 
We had a day in between games to regroup ourselves, but we didn't handle this challenge the right way. You have to credit Buffalo, and it goes to show if you're not mentally and physically ready to play, anyone can beat anyone in any given night. And I often say this about hockey, is that you can't, you can't go into a game thinking, oh, it's Buffalo. Oh, it's Arizona. Right? Like, I, I don't, I, I feel like that's not as much the case in other sports. I feel like maybe you could go into a game, an NFL game with maybe a, a 14 and two team and a, a two and 14 team and say, okay, we probably can figure out who's going to win. That's not the case in hockey. If you're not at your best every night, anybody can beat you. And that's what we saw on Thursday. I felt like last night they just could never get anything clicking. You know, it was the first time in the month of January the Predators have even found themselves trailing in a game. Obviously, the first goal for Buffalo, an unlucky bounce off of Matt Benning went in the net. Mm -hmm. The second period, they come out. You think Colton Sissons has the power play goal. Okay, we're right back in the game. Then it gets waved off. And then it just felt like nothing ever seemed to come together. But talking afterwards with Matias Ekholm, he said, you know, it's not about tactics. It's not about that. He said it comes down to hard work, getting in the forecheck, skating, pounding your legs. And he goes, and you just have to be more relentless in the way we play. And when we get back to that level, we're going to win games. Bingo. Right on. And I would add this from John Hines as well. Uh, he said, continued after the game, we've got to find a way to be able to do a better job than we did tonight. And now we've got to move our focus. We get a day today on Friday as we record this. And then they're playing a hot Boston team on Saturday afternoon. John Hines says another big challenge and they're building and we've got to get ready here. Cause again, they're, you don't want to brush it off and we can sit here and say, you know, those games are going to happen, but also you've got to learn from them. You've got to take those lessons. And as I said to a couple of people on Thursday night, I would rather a game like that happen in January as opposed to April. And mm-hmm. so you take it, you learn from it, and you move on. And we'll see what happens in Boston. So they came home. They got one win out of two on their little two-game homestand the Preds did. So now they go out on the road for two before they come home for three. So it's at Boston on Saturday afternoon, at St. Louis on Monday, and then come back home to host Vancouver, Winnipeg, and Detroit on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday respectively. But Kara, what's what's important for you uh, in these next couple, do you think? As we Again, the Preds still top the division, 50 points, looking pretty good, uh, but y- you don't want to let anything like this linger. And they've also been good at bouncing back recently. When they've lost, yeah. the Preds have been good at bouncing back. So what, what what are you looking for here coming up? I think it's just getting back to their identity. Obviously, hopefully, you know, having Philip Forsberg come back into the lineup once he's done with COVID protocol, you add that extra offensive spark. So I think getting Forsberg back in the lineup, just getting back to their style of game, um, that that's the key. It's just what Matias said, you know, the, the hard work, the relentless effort that you need night in and night out. I think that's what it comes down to. UC Saros has still been amazing. Mm-hmm. Now he's an NHL all-star. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it's just that playing better in front of him. Obviously, Mark Borowiecki is out day-to-day right now. But when you start getting some of these guys back in the lineup and just getting back to how they play Predators hockey, I think that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, hopefully Philip Forsberg's not too far off. Still in COVID protocol. Yakov Trenin is there as well. John Hines said before the game, on Thursday, that Forsberg was not quite ready yet, but he was trending in the right direction. Also, Kara, you mentioned Mark Borowiecki day-to-day with a lower body injury after he blocked a shot on Tuesday. But good news considering the amount of pain that he appeared to be in. So hopefully 
he can be back in the lineup sooner than later as well. For the Predators, as you said, don't lose that identity. John Hines has said you're not going to win every game, but as long as you don't lose your identity, you'll be okay. And the Preds will look to get that back coming up here Saturday afternoon in Boston, and then we move forward with another busy week for Nashville, but a chance at more points. So we'll look forward to seeing what the Predators can come up with. And as we look ahead even further, before you know it, we'll be going outside. And who better to talk to about the upcoming stadium series than the NHL's Chief Content Officer, Steve Mayer? We will hear from him next. This is the Predators' official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. We outside, outside. Welcome back to the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game, streaming on the game Nashville app and wherever you find this, your favorite podcast. Brooks Bratton of NashvillePredators.com back with you. And we're at Nissan Stadium, and I'm pleased to be joined for his second time on the POP. We can call him a friend of the show now. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm always a friend of the show, but this is this is quite the honor. Twice. <laughs> I love it. He is the NHL's chief content officer, Steve Mayer. And Steve, as we said, here at Nissan on stadium we know why we're here but the last time that we spoke at a round table in a sports venue we were in edmonton alberta which we were talking offline seems like 14 years ago we were there in the bubble before we get to the stadium series can you believe that the amount of time and and the things that have happened since then now you know it it really is incredible um that we've had three seasons essentially Mm -hmm. since then um you know there's been a lot that's happened. Uh, obviously, the pandemic has, has affected so many people's lives. We've been just trying to keep the lights on in, in certain parts, um, advance the league. I think we've, we've done a, an amazing job uh, at the league level, at the team level, of, you know, of making strides during a really tough period of time. It does feel so long ago, and, it, and essentially it was. Um, but, you know, that's an experience, I, I'll tell you, Brooks, like I will always remember what we accomplished there, how we did it. Um, it was so unique. When you're a producer of events, when you have not necessarily a clue of like, okay, what do we do? Because there was no blueprint at all to do a bubble. And to, to now look back at it, you know, when we were there, it was hard. But then, you know, now you go, wow, that was something else that we were able to pull it off and, and be as successful, especially given how COVID has affected so many people's lives. Like not one case at all in, in months being there for the staff, for the clubs, for the players. It, it almost is unbelievable because remember, that was the height of COVID. So yeah, that it was a, it was a while ago, uh, but a great experience in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Not that we weren't excited to be there as well, to, to just get back to playing hockey, but we're really excited for the reason that you're here today. And, and that is of course the stadium series coming up at the end of February. You're here at the stadium, having a meeting today, doing some walkthroughs and whatnot, but we're not that far off. And this is from our perspective, we're really amped up about this. Well, you're amped up. We're, we're really amped up. I mean, Nashville is, is awesome. And I'm not just saying it because I'm talking to you. Like we do these a lot and you know, sometimes it's difficult to sort of, constantly come up with sort of this creative idea of what the game should look like what are the elements of the game 
and in, in some places we struggle a bit. In, in Nashville, it's, it's like perfect. You know, the only thing that, that's tough about Nashville is just how many big events you all have. And like, you got to try to be better than, you know, some like high end events, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's an award show, whether it's a, a huge concert, whether it's the Titans right now. I mean, come on right now, the Titans being the top seed in the NFL, like there's a lot of things that Nashville's got going for them. And, you know, we just need to try to, you know, be as good as we can be. We think we can give Nashville a show that they'll always remember, but it's, it's a lot easier to create in Nashville than in other places just because of how used to everybody here is for big events. Mm-hmm. Well, and when we had always heard, and I've been here for eight seasons, and I would argue that almost the entire time that I've been here, we've always kind of said it's not a matter of if but when Nashville gets an outdoor game. And we were in Dallas, of course, in 2020 for the Winter Classic, but it always seemed that this was inevitable, that, that there would be one of these here was that kind of the vision is because i know that everybody wants one of these yeah but no, no, no. To, to be here now a hundred percent you know again people always have to remember there are 32 teams now you know and one of my jobs is to take the pitches as well everybody wants one of these games mm-hmm. i mean and and you know the opponent tampa wants a game you know, some places can't have it because of weather or sun, you know. Um, but here, it was always pitched, and we knew eventually it was going to happen. And it was just a matter of time. I, I will say this, that having All-Star here a few years back, that probably was by far the clincher. There is, there is a need to fill a stadium of people. Mm-hmm. You know, 70,000 people. That's a lot of people to watch a hockey game. But All-Star proved and Stanley Cup final really proved that the support here is just over the top. Um, Preds fans are awesome. They come out in droves. They come out to sit outside the arena, Mm -hmm. not only to go inside the arena. So, I mean, all those factors led up to, like, of course, this is a no-brainer. It was just a matter of time when it would line up in terms of our schedule. And so we're here, and we're, we're moments away from putting on the show. I was going to say not far at all. So over the next six to seven weeks, what does that look like? From now until puck drop, what has to happen? So I, I think we're formulating as a staff, like, all the various elements. Um, you know, we have the foundation ready. Like, and now it's a matter of editing and just making everything better. There'll be a lot of announcements that we'll start to make. Who are the music acts? You know, what are some of those other interactive elements? What's our fanfare going to look like? Are we going to activate on Broadway? All things that we're talking about that we're getting closer to just confirming 100%. And then we'll start making those exciting announcements. So I think like... You know, hey, we're here now. We're talking now. I, I'm like super psyched of how this is going to turn out. But with each th- check box and then every announcement, I, I think the fans are going to get like really psyched for this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it, you know, for a fan, if you've never been, 
it's a bucket list. And I'm a sports fan personally. And, you know, I, I've got 10 things probably on my sports bucket list. And I'm not just saying this because I work for the league, but, man, I, I would put an outdoor game on that bucket list. It's so different. And, you know, everywhere you look, there's something going on. Every minute of the, of the show, there's something going on. Plus, in this one, you're going to see two of the best NHL teams in the, in the entire league, like, going up in a really important game. Remember, I mean, two points are at stake. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. But, uh, you know, it, there's nothing like it. And, and I think we find that as we sort of cross the country and Canada with these games that people are like, that was so different, that was so unique, and I am just so happy that I was able to check that off the bucket list. Mm-hmm. The NHL's chief content officer, Steve Mayer, is our guest on the Preds official podcast. And Steve, there's been a lot of talk ever since the game was announced in Nashville, February 26th. Anything can happen as far as the weather's concerned. And we just saw in Minnesota, I think it was minus 10. It hit minus double digit Fahrenheit uh, in the game in Minneapolis for the Winter Classic. How much of a factor is the weather? I know some things are more important than others. What is the concern level, or how much can you deal with? So I don't think it's going to get to minus ten here. <laughs> I think we're good. I hope not. I think we're good there. I think we're good there. You know, having the game at night, I think, um, helps mm-hmm. no matter what. You know, it takes the sort of sun out of the equation. It, it, listen, we knew going to Nashville that it, you know the the wide range of what temperature could be that day. You know, it, it could be 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. It also could be 20 degrees. And we're ready. Um, I, you know, we've proven on these games. We played a game in Los Angeles. Um, I, I think we're going to be absolutely fine. We don't believe weather will be an issue. Rain is always something that actually is even worse than snow for us. And we'll keep an eye on weather forecasts. But... It's not something that we obsessed over at all when we decided that we're, are we going to come to Nashville. Other places, yeah, we, uh, weather is a consideration in, in some other cities, but not here. Mm-hmm. How, how much fun do you and your team have planning these? Because as you said, every, every spot, every city is unique. Nashville, we, we know the music scene is huge here. How unique is it? How fun is it to say, all right, new city, new stadium, what can we do? How can we make this special? So it's funny that you say that. You know, we uh, there was a point in minnesota winter classic you know we talked about the bubble to start but you know we haven't done one of these outdoor games with fans for two years Mm -hmm. and you know we looked around and i think we realized like wow we have a lot of fun doing this it's a job and we're in the middle right now of a crazy stretch with the nhl event staff oh we we did winter classic we've got all-star before we have the stadium series and then after the stadium series we go right to canada to do what is called the heritage classic in canada it's busy it's it's a lot of work um i've got the best staff in the world i mean they're they are just incredible they are so detailed and they welcome these these games these opportunities but in the end of the day like we try to keep it loose we try to welcome new ideas and brainstorm all the time like we want people to have input we want to be funny and humorous we also need to be serious at times but you know we're always looking for like what's that unique idea that 
people will will talk about on the Monday after the game, on the two, like, and the years to come. Like, you know, and I think if you sort of look at what we've done over the last two or three years, every game had a, a signature piece to it, you know, that people took from that game, and that's what they remember from that game. And I think if you ask a Preds fan who watched Dallas, you know, they'll, they might remember that the Preds lost that day. I'm sorry to say that. Mm-hmm. But they'll remember the pig racing. Yeah, like, yeah. people remember pig racing. Oh, that was so cool and funny. It was a unique idea that, like, took to, to, to people. They liked it. So, you know, again, we, we're trying to come up with what are those moments here that people will remember forever, uh, you know. And, and, of course, the game is the game. But, you know, we think Nashville provides us with a backdrop and, you know, just music alone to do some really cool things. You know, and, you know, we're, we're envisioning our version of a Super Bowl halftime uh, because we're in Nashville. Like, what's our country music, our NHL version of that? And so I think that's one of the things that I'm super excited about that will be something that people will always remember from this game. Mm-hmm. Any other, I'm not looking for anything specifically necessarily, but any other tidbits, any other things you can say? I mean, this is, you've got to be here not only to see the great hockey, but to see this. Yeah, I, I think when you come to the stadium, uh, you know, there's a there's a big road that's adjacent to the stadium that um, is packed with people on weekends. So taking Broadway and sort of bringing it into the stadium, the lights, the neon, the honky-tonk stages, the sort of that feel is, is what we're, we're going to go for. Um, and I think there are some set pieces and some very unique ways that we're going to present mm-hmm. Nashville to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned music. I mean, it's going to be a huge part of what we do. I can't believe how many Preds fans or how many musicians are Preds fans. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredible. And so, you know, I think you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to see a lot. Like, unlike where we've done other games where it's been one music artist, very, very unique to sort of an intermission, I think music from the time people walk in to the time they leave will be a major part of the presentation. And we hope that there's some pretty big names that uh, a lot of people go to see, whether it's in Nissan Stadium or in Bridgestone Arena, who come together to put on quite a show here in Nashville for our game. Lastly, you've already called it a bucket list item, but if you're a Preds fan, why do you have to be here? Why is this something that you'll never forget? Another thing to point out, uh, we come once, and I hate to say this, but if, you, if we went to 32 different cities, we're not coming back for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, and I, that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. And, you know, we rarely go back to the same city. Yeah, the t- same team. And we, we, we've heard the Chicago joke that, oh, an outdoor game. Oh, it must be the Chicago Blackhawks. That was for years. But most of those games, remember, were road games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're, the show comes to town once every X amount of years. And so this is the chance. Like, if you're a Preds fan, 
Like this is the opportunity to come see your team in an outdoor game. It's a once in a lifetime experience. I'm telling you it is. And it's super cool. And like, it's, it's great. Like I, I, I know we're the ones putting it together, but it's, it's pretty cool. It's very different. And, you know, in the sporting pantheon, you know, it's, it's up there. Mm-hmm. Steve, this is, again, very exciting. And who knows where we'll be, honestly, what sporting venue for our third chat. But for this <laughs> second one, we're excited to be here. We're glad to have you. And we can't wait to see what comes in February. Hey, the way the Preds are playing, maybe we'll talk before the Stanley Cup final. We may very well need to. That's not a bad idea. But, Steve, thanks for this. We always appreciate it. And uh, best of luck over the next little bit here in Nashville. No, thanks, thanks. And we're looking forward to seeing all the Preds fans at the game. Up next, one member of the Preds is headed to NHL All-Star Weekend, and another, well, he might be. This is the Predators' official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to the POP, the Predators official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Brooks Bratton, Kara Hammer, Max Hers, Moby making an appearance. I think the first ever appearance, first time we've ever played Moby on the pod because we were coming back. So we're going to talk about NHL All Star. And of course, Kara suggested Smash Mouth All Star, which personally, not the biggest fan of that song. No offense. But it's, it's like from my childhood. I liked it when I was in second grade, but now I'm like, I'm 30. I'm over it. My favorite song that mentions stars is A Sky Full of Stars by Coldplay because Coldplay is my favorite band. No bias there. And then Max is like, how about We Are All Made of Stars by Moby? And I was like, Moby? I love Moby. So there we, so there we are. We, made, we found some Moby and uh, it's a great lead in, I think, to this topic, right, Kara? the podcast has come so far brooks we've we've gotten to moby (laughs) episode 157 welcome moby no i was saying i was a big moby fan in high school and i was in the drum line like me and all my friends are like oh moby yeah we're all so cool well i told you i was still upset that philip forsberg last podcast said i know you guys are a little bit older than me yeah okay philip a little bit older. At least you said a little bit. I know you guys are a lot a older, than, older than Philip, but <sighs> no respect. You know, someone who did get some respect, UC Soros. First, he was named the second star of the week by the National Hockey League. And then a few nights later, he was named to the NHL All Star team. The Central Division, Nashville's goalie will represent at 2022 NHL All-Star Weekend in a beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Nashville's lone representative so far, but it could be two representatives. Roman Yossi, of course you know him, you love him, captain of your Nashville Predators. He's on the last men in ballot, which allows fans to vote for the final player on each NHL All-Star game roster at nhl.com slash in. And you don't have much time to do that. Write that down. Get a pen and paper, because I know you've all got a pen and paper handy. 
NHL.com slash last men in. So here's what happens beginning right now. So it's open right now through Monday, January 17th, which is like three days from now. So get on it. 10.59 p.m. Central Time. That's it. So basically you've got a holiday weekend. It's going to snow in Nashville. You're going to be stuck inside with nothing to do. You have no excuse to not vote for Roman Yossi 10 times in each 24-hour period. So there you go. Hashtag NHL All-Star on Twitter. Roman Yossi could be there joining UC Saros, but we do know that Juice is headed to Vegas, and I would argue no one more deserving on this Nashville roster. His first All-Star appearance than UC Saros. I think UC Saros is the best goaltender in the league right now. We hear all the Ooh, time, you know, hot take. Say it. Yep. I my hot take. I feel like UC Saros is on fire, but I also think you talk about somebody who got snubbed for not just being on the roster without needed voted in. Roman Yossi. I mean, he has 38 points this season. He's already in the talk for being another Norris candidate this year. So we got to get Roman yet. We we have to get Roman there. Agreed. Like it just has to be done. Agreed. Get online. Vote now. I was I was impressed with because John Hines was asked about it after Thursday's game. The announcement was made before Thursday's game, but he was asked one, how happy are you for Yoshi Saros? And then what about Roman Yossi having to be voted in? And John Hines was honestly like, I'm shocked that Roman Yossi needs to be voted in. I'm shocked that he wasn't originally named uh, to the all-star team. I, you know, that's one of the tough things. And I, my dad actually texted me last night. He's like, why is Saros the only one? And I was like, well, that's, to me, that's what you kind of run into when there's got to be one player from every team, which mm-hmm. he, he had forgotten that fact. And I think that's important to remember is if, you know, if you could pick whoever you wanted, Nashville would probably have three guys. Colorado would probably have three or four guys, but you've got to spread the wealth out a little bit. So you knew you were going to get one and juice is incredibly well-deserving. And I will say that he, so he didn't get one. He didn't get a win on Thursday night, but he's only two wins from establishing a new career high. He previously had 21 wins Last season, he's the third goaltender in Predators history to be named to an NHL All-Star Game roster, joining Pekka Rene and Tomas Vokun. Rene did it four times. Vokun did it once in 2004. This would also be Yossi's fourth NHL All-Star Game nomination if he is voted in. Of course, he leads the team second among all NHL defensemen in points. And uh, would love to see him there as well. So what a, I wanted to ask you, Kara, before we get there, and we'll have plenty more time to discuss it when it actually comes up. But I don't know about you. I'm kind of looking forward to All-Star again, especially since there's no – we know that the NHL will not be going to the Olympics now. Like, I always enjoyed All-Star. I know some people think it's more gimmicky, but, like, that's what – like, what do you want? Like, that's what it's supposed to be. And I, I think the big thing is the skills competition the night before yeah. – that's always a favorite of mine. I don't know. You have any thoughts on All Star? I always thought it was, it was good for the game, and I, especially coming out of this, obviously you couldn't have it last year, and so I think it's good for the game to have it uh, coming up again. You've got your new TV deal, so you, it's going to be on ABC. It's a good showcase, and I'm excited to see what they do in Vegas. You know, I love it. I felt like when it was here in Nashville in 2016, it was one of the best weekends that the city has put on. I felt like. It brought so many people to the game. I felt like I fell in love with the game all over again just because of how much fun we were having. You know, obviously we had P.K. Subban was out there and just a lot of different guys. I'll never forget Shea Weber on the hardest shot. And it just shows some of you talk about the skills. You just see some talent from 
some players that maybe you don't normally see, you know, it's not in the middle of the game. You're not testing how hard a shot is, yeah. but then you get out there and you can see, Oh my gosh, 105, 106 miles per hour. Yeah. Like this is crazy. Well, and then sometimes in the games, I always feel bad for goalies because some, sometimes they're fine, but other times they just get lit up. And I, I think, I think that maybe sometimes there is, fear might be a strong word but there's maybe a little bit of a hesitation of like we don't want our star goalie getting lit up in the all-star game for 10 goals because the the skill I mean nobody plays defense in the all-star game we know that and the skill is so high when you've got these guys all on the ice together but the way that UC Saros is playing I don't know he might not allow any goals in the all-star game either but we also had like the greatest story of all time here with John Scott yeah, like what? Yeah. That needs to be a movie. I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for the Disney movie. I'm going to be the first in line buying tickets to watch the John Scott All Star Story. Didn't they? On the big screen. Isn't that happening? Or there was some. Th- yeah, kind of. Max has kind of sort of. I I've definitely heard of some sort of movie deal or book. I think he's got a book already. Actually. Yeah, he 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 made the most of that. That was really special. I, I'll never forget. I'm glad you brought that up. I'll never forget covering it. For those that don't remember, John Scott was voted. It was like the last, it used to be just the last man in. and But he was voted in by the fans. It kind of meant to be a joke, right? He's like this big yeah. six foot eight guy. Kind of an enforcer. A defenseman, kind of an enforcer. Never really did much. And people were like, let's vote John Scott into an, an <laughs> NHL All-Star game. So he became the captain of the team. He wasn't even playing on it. He wasn't even on an NHL roster at the time. And the fans voted him in. And he ended up being the captain of, I guess, our division, the Central Division, or the Pacific, no, Pacific Division, because he was he would have been with Arizona, so he was still on that side of things. Um, but they ended up he ended up winning the MVP of All Star. They lifted him up on it on uh, the guys lifted him up on their shoulders after the game, and I'll never forget being in the press conference afterward here in Nashville. And he said the one thing, because of course, I mean, how do you sum all that up? In, into one 15-minute press conference, but I'll never forget he was asked, like, what is there one moment this weekend that is really you think you'll never um, you'll never forget? And he said one of his daughters, he had, I think, like three young daughters running around at the time, and he said one of his daughters said to him, Dada, how come everyone wants to talk to you? And he's <laughs> like, I don't know. It's crazy, isn't it? I just thought that was the coolest thing, and, and that's something – that you can get uh, at an NHL All-Star Week. We may never see anything quite like that again. Uh, but yeah, Nashville was unreal. Kind of set the standard for the NHL moving forward. But I bet that I bet that Vegas will be able to do it up pretty good. So we'll see what they have in store. Steve Mayer, who we just heard from, by the way, he's got to take care of that before he comes back to Nashville uh, to get back outside at Nissan Stadium, of course. So looking forward to All-Star again. Congrats to UC Saros. And don't forget to vote in Roman Yossi in NHL.com slash last men in you have until monday night to get that done 2022 nhl all-star game live on abc saturday february 5th at 2 p.m central skills competition takes place the day before friday february 4th that evening on espn so be sure to mark those down and tune in and we'll be back in just a moment we've got some great twitter questions to get to that's next right here on the preds official podcast on espn 1025 the game English 
fourth and final segment of episode 157 of the Predators official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back. I'm Brooks. She's Kara. He's Max. I don't know about you. I could go for some English finger foods like they say at the beginning of that song from Wild Front. Making me hungry now. What are English finger foods? Is that like fish and chips, some tea and crumpets? I don't know. And like fish and chips? I love a good fish and chips. Get Gordon. Let's I'm get Gordon Ramsay. Right let's get Gordon Ramsay on the pot. I bet you he could tell us. I bet you we could get him. I. That, we should just try that sometime. Who's the most random person we could get on the podcast? I'm trying. I'm trying to think of who the most random person we have already had is. I mean, Wes McCauley, but like that's still hockey. I mean, Ben Rector and Nate Bargatze. Those are pretty random. Not not even random though. Random is like has nothing to do with hockey with Nashville. We should try that sometime just to see and just have a total non-hockey episode. I don't know. Start thinking. Start thinking. That's okay. We'll figure it out. We got time. Let's get to some Twitter questions from the week. Leslie said, question for the POP. Here we are. When a player or someone who travels with a team like Pete Weber enters COVID protocol while on the road, do they stay in an away city during quarantine? If not, how do they get back to Nashville? So you'll remember that Pete Weber and Philip Forsberg both went into COVID protocol in Arizona at the end of that road trip, as did Jake Hartsfeld, another member of the Predators broadcast crew who works behind the scenes, a fellow Robert Morris University alum, by the way. And uh, so, again, to Leslie's question, they do not, they did not stay in Arizona this whole time without getting into too many specifics. Um, I would just say that the Preds find a safe way for them to get back to Nashville better than staying in a hotel in Arizona for a week and not being able um, to leave your room so at least they can get home and and isolate here and do what they need to do. So yeah, the Preds find a safe way for them to get back to Nashville to try to make things a little bit easier for everyone. Jay said, how does this season stack up against the Stanley Cup season of 2017? And this is something that I've thought about a number of times this season just because of the way things have been going. I think the biggest comparison, because... As you may remember, in 2017, the year the Preds went to the final, of course, they were the last team to get in the playoffs. Yeah. They were the eight seed. They played the one seed, Chicago, in the West. But there was absolutely zero pressure. And even though the Preds are finding more consistency, that was another thing that season, is they had come off of the season before. They did pretty well, and they went to the second round against San Jose, lost in Game 7. But that 16-17 season, the Preds really had trouble finding much consistency at all. And I remember that being a theme, and they were able to make it into the playoffs at the end of the year. Um, But I think the big comparison maybe between this year and that season is there's really not a lot of pressure, I feel like. And I feel as though that probably helps sometimes. I, I I would say that since that run to the final in 17, yeah, the Preds had some more good seasons, but there was a lot of pressure on this team to perform. People were picking them as Stanley Cup favorites. They were like, all right, well, you've gone once. Surely you can go back. And it's not that easy. And I would say that going into this 21-22 season, for the first time in at least five years, this has been the least amount of pressure that the Predators have faced in recent memory. And 
I don't know. I, you know, I'm not in the locker room on a daily basis anymore, at least, but I'm not in the team meetings. I don't hear everything that, that is said, but I will say that I think that that can't hurt to not have all the outsiders saying, well, you've got to go to the final. It, it honestly, it was on the contrary this season. It was, well, you're not going to do anything. And you know, not that everybody's sitting in the locker room reading every single thing that's said on Twitter, but I think you know that there's pressure. And this season there hasn't been. And I think the guys are just playing. And I would say to me that's the biggest comparison between 17 and right now is when they got into the playoffs in 17, there was like zero pressure. Like, all right, you you made it, but you're playing Chicago. Like, you're not going to do anything. And they just played and had fun, and look what happened. I also think it comes down to goaltending. I mean, look Mm -hmm. how good Pecorine was in 2017 during that cup run. He shut out Chicago. You kind of see that with UC Soros. They always say, like, a key to a a long cup run is a little bit of luck and a really hot goaltender. And that's, I mean, essentially, that's kind of what the Predators have going on for them right now. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, so there's, again, we've, we've talked so much about the identity. That's the buzzword of the year if there ever was one. This team has found a way to find success in different situations. They're getting contributions all throughout the lineup. And so, you know, I would say that it's just tough, too, to compare season to season because everything is so different. If anything, I think the end of last season has kind of bled into this season, and they've kind of just continued on that trajectory that started last season. So maybe a little bit of a comparison to 2017, and we'll see. And hopefully the Predators, with where they are right now, hopefully they can make it into the playoffs come late April, early May, and uh, we'll we'll see as the months go along. But, yeah, certainly certainly some comparisons there. I think it's hard to not think back to that season and think, all right, how is this team similar? Could they do something similar? And as we've seen time and time again, anything can happen. And I think kind of going into that, Matthew asked, what is this team's ceiling? And I think that's an interesting one, Kara, because as we know going into it, again – David Poyle himself said this is probably a competitive transition season. And I don't know that the Predators would still be in the top echelon of the conversation with a Colorado, with a Tampa Bay, the way that Florida and Carolina are playing too right now. Toronto, I think, is up there. I don't know that you're throwing the Preds in the conversation with those teams necessarily, but I think we're also realizing that this team's ceiling is probably a lot higher than anybody thought it would be. I agree. And, you know, I was thinking like, what, 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 and not to go back to the old thought, but I was thinking, what is one of the biggest comparisons? And I think it was that same next man up mentality. You look at that cup run, they lost Kevin Fiala. They lost Ryan Johansson. Frederick Goudreau comes up, scores his first NHL goal, you know, gets the team on the board, helps them compete. And then you see that this season, we have COVID craziness happening, guys going in and out of protocol and everybody's coming in. And, and playing that Predators hockey, that's letting them be successful. But for me, I think the ceiling is a glass ceiling, and I think the Preds are going to shatter it and take it however far they're going to take it. And hockey, the ceiling can be however high you want it to be, right? Like there's there's so many things that can happen, and, and we say that all the time, and there's still a lot of hockey left to be played, and anything can happen over these next three-plus months. Um, but for this team, they found a way to win, and they're feeling good about themselves. And – when you have a team that feels like that consistency, that can be a very dangerous thing in a good way for the rest of the National Hockey League. I, I think they've 
you've realized like you're not going to sneak up on anyone anymore. I think teams know what they're getting when they're playing the Nashville Predators, and that is not only are they probably going to face some really good goaltending, they're going to face some skill up front, but it's going to be a tough night. You're probably going to have some aches and pains after the fact. Guys are going to have some bruises from body checks and and maybe a scrap or two, and uh, you're, you're going to get a little bit of everything when you play the Nashville Predators, and 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 that's a very good thing for this team right now. So as we talked about in the first segment, you've got to find a way to learn those lessons in a game like Buffalo against Thursday night and then moving forward, apply those and just continue to get better as the season goes along. Finally, Isaac said, if you could completely rebrand the Predators, what would your team name and color choices be? I would pick black because all of my teams have always like, you know, the, the Preds, we have a really bright gold. I'm a Broncos fan, so it's blue and orange. I went to the University of Wyoming, so we're brown and gold. No, dude, it's just something a little more like black and simple. And Okay. <laughs> all right. I like that. I've I've always appreciated a good black. Like when teams do an all-black jersey, I yeah. think that can be cool. Um, I For me, it was like my high school colors were blue and gold. So that was an easy transition for me. My college is red, white, and blue. So that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. My favorite color is green. And you may have seen Predators prospect Luke Prokop uh, got called out because he was doing a um, Q&A on Instagram and somebody asked him what his favorite jersey was and he said Dallas <laughs> and then somebody <laughs> tweeted about it and he was like oh my gosh I'm so sorry Preds I didn't mean it and then he was like well the Preds jerseys are my favorite obviously uh, yeah. so that was, it was all in good fun with Luke but I have always said that, that my, because my favorite color is green I've always looked at Dallas and been like, gosh, I really, I like those, <laughs> but that's only because I'm Irish and I'm like, well, I'm Irish. So I should like the color green. Zach, I kind of feel the way a little bit about, about Tampa Bay. Obviously I'm not a Tampa Bay fan, but sometimes when they come out with the black, the uniforms, and yeah, it, that's right. you know, I do think it looks, it looks really good on the ice, even though I've heard from Pete Weber, it's really hard to call the game because you can't always see the Jersey numbers and you can't always see the names, yep. but it looks good. As far as a name, I always laughed that Ice Tigers was in the conversation originally because remember they remember the Predators logo was released before the name was. Yeah. So they knew what the logo was going to be after the saber-toothed tiger fossil that they found downtown when they were building one of the skyscrapers. Uh so we knew what the logo was like. Yeah, so yeah, Ice Tigers was one of them. I can't think of the other ones off the top of my head. But if you were completely rebranding, gosh, I don't know. The Nashville Music Makers is that too easy? <laughs> The Nashville hot chickens. That'd be kind of fun. The well, Nashville that, stars. Is that, that that's like the the baseball team, right? Max says the Smashville country cats. That's Ooh. kind of fun. That <laughs> I is like, fun. I like that. The Smashville country cats. You heard it here first. Coming soon. Nashville's Nashville's minor league affiliate that happens to play in the same exact city <laughs> as the big team. The Smashville country cats. Right here on the Smashville Country Cats official podcast. Well, Max, way to go. What a week for you. And a good, not great, but still a good week for the Nashville Predators. A great week for UC Saros. Congrats to him. One more time, don't forget to vote Roman Yossi in the last man standing. Last man in, I guess. Not last man standing. Last men in. He should be the last man in. Kara, great week for you, too. Good to see you, as always. It was a good week. I, I like watching. I like coming back. I love being able to be part of the broadcast. Obviously, I love a big win over Colorado, and 
like you said, and don't forget, it's not last man in, it's last men in. Mm-hmm. M-E-N. M-E-N. Last men in slash last men in. Don't forget, vote Roman Yossi, vote early, vote often. Thanks to Steve Mayer one more time. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the snow. A lot of us are getting it. See ya. The podcast has come so far, Brooks. <laughs> we've, we've gotten to Moby. <laughs> <laughs>